Welcome to the Pretty Unfiltered Podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm a fashion designer turned stay-at-home mom, and I'm fascinated with our society's toxic norms, systems, and ideologies. On this podcast, we're going to have vulnerable conversations about how these systems have reduced us to just a body, profited off our insecurities, and perpetuated cycles of patriarchy and greed. We'll also hear from experts to get a holistic understanding of just how damaging these systems are and why we need to push for change. So from photo filters to gender roles and everything in between, no topic is off limits. Come with me as we pull back the curtain and challenge these everyday issues. It's time to get real with each other and start disrupting the societal constructs that don't serve us. It may not always be pretty, but it will definitely be unfiltered. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode. Today I wanted to have a raw and honest conversation about beauty. And I know I talk about this a lot. This is a really hot topic for me because I think it's so important, right? And I think it's something that if we're going to change the way that we feel about beauty, it's going to take a lot more than one conversation, (laughs) right? Whether you directly engage or not. We're surrounded by messages, especially in media, that tell us both implicitly and explicitly that we have to be beautiful. I mean, do you ever feel like you're running on a hamster wheel when it comes to this stuff? I think unless you're one of the few that have truly opted out of this propaganda, most of us are, right? With every ad, movie, diet program, social media filter, fill in the blank, we are in some way, shape, or form told that as a woman, being beautiful is the most important goal that we could ever achieve. And this creates an enormous pressure, right? And I think about this in terms of two sides to a coin. For those considered traditionally beautiful, there's this pressure to maintain that status and to even go above and beyond and to achieve perfection, right? Which is ridiculous. That's not even possible. And then for those that aren't, there's pressure to do whatever it takes to be more in line with today's beauty standards. So no matter where you fall on the spectrum, most of us are running a race that one, will never ever win. And two, we're racing to the finish line to achieve something that doesn't even matter, right? And that in the process of running this race is draining our time, our mental energy, our mental health, our resources, right? And obviously breaking it down like that makes it seem so simple. It makes it seem like, well, just don't do it. But that's why I think it's so important to have this conversation over and over because it's just not that simple. And I mentioned this a couple times, but I felt like this was worth dedicating an entire episode to, and that is the idea of pursuing beauty at any and all cost. And getting real with ourselves and asking, what is the price we're willing to pay? The pursuit of beauty has been around for a long time, which again is why it's so hard to get away from this. So I wanted to do a super quick history lesson 
But stick with me. I promise this won't be the boring history lesson of, you know, high school days. (laughs) But I think it's important to mention historical backgrounds because it helps us understand the depth and the magnitude of the ideals that we are trying to conform to today. Right? It's almost like a generational curse, but in this case, it's not something that's unique to just one family. This has impacted mostly women for centuries. And then when we live our lives dedicating so much time to this, and we're doing all the things all the time, right? The surgeries and the fillers and the extensions and the heavy contouring and the shapers and the whatever. And I'm not trying to shame anyone, but you know, when we're doing that, it's almost like we are now passing on that generational curse, right? To the next generation, which for a lot of us is to our girls, to our kids. So in terms of a history lesson, let's go back in time to the Renaissance era where pale skin was super on trend and aristocracy used white face paint made of lead (laughs) to make their skin look lighter. And what's even more interesting about this is that a lot of people actually knew that they could potentially die of lead poisoning, and several did, but they did it anyway. I don't think being beautiful should be at the cost of your own life. I mean, that's a pretty high price to pay, right? So fast forward into the Victorian era, and we got away from the lead makeup, face paint, right? But now you see women suffering major health complications from fatally tight corsets. And I'm talking about everything from metal being found inside the body from the boning in the corsets, and also corsets that were so tight that they caused internal bleeding. I mean, this is unreal, right? At that time, there were these beautiful green dresses that were made popular by Parisians, But in order to achieve that very specific shade of green, dresses were being dyed with arsenic. And obviously, we know that arsenic is poison, so people were um, getting poison from these dresses. You know, and we can go to any part of the world. I mean, this idea of women needing to be beautiful, unfortunately, has touched everywhere, right? I mean, you can go back to China and look, look at foot binding, but... Anyway, I just kind of wanted to give a really brief history on this because I think it's so easy to look at these examples and think, wow, thank God we don't do that anymore. But our dangerous pursuit of beauty didn't go away. It just evolved with the times. So a few months ago, Kim Kardashian, and honestly, I even hate to bring her name up because now I'm complicit in giving her the attention that she was wanting in the first place. But I'm doing this because I think there's a message here that we need to address, right? And this is so relevant to here and now. And so she spoke to Vogue about losing 16 pounds in three weeks to fit into the famous Marilyn Monroe Happy Birthday Mr. President dress for the Met Gala. Okay, so what I'm getting from that is restricting food and over-exercising just to change the shape of your body. Um, That sounds like disordered eating to me. And I read articles where a designer was applauding her quote-unquote commitment to fashion, and I thought, oh my god, is this commitment or is this a sickness? It's not only what individuals themselves are doing, 
but it's also the response that it gets from other people supporting what they're doing. And what's mind-blowing is when that happens, it's like we are so conditioned to applaud people for that. We don't even question what she's doing and see that this is something that's problematic. And more recently, you know, she got a lot of attention for telling the New York Times that, quote, if you told me I literally had to eat poop every single day and I would look younger, I might, end quote. And in that last statement, she's being mostly facetious, but let's not forget that this is a person with incredible influence and power broadcasting this message, which honestly is very consistent with all of the things she and her brand stand for, And that's a huge issue, right? Why would we continue to support people who use their platforms to perpetuate these issues? Kim, and I promise this is the very last thing I will say on her, among so many others, is selling and profiting off of the idea of beauty at any and all costs. And although I think it's unbelievable that people and companies use their platforms to profit off of people's insecurities, when we support these people and buy into these systems, right, and do all the things and buy all the products and get all the procedures done and use all the filters and do all the posing, aren't we complicit to some degree in shoveling the shit that Kim is so eager to eat? I think it's easy to be desensitized and even oblivious to the magnitude of this messaging because, you know, when you're born into something, it's easy to not even recognize its existence. And we've been conditioned to buy into the propaganda from the cosmetic industry, which generates about $49.2 billion a year, the cosmetic surgery industry, where in 2020 about 5.5 million procedures were done, and the weight loss industry, which brought in about $72.5 billion in 2021. But if we stop and take a second, it's kind of hard to look at those numbers and dismiss the idea that we're not impacted by this message. And I think it's one of those situations that once you see it, you really can't unsee it. Which again, is why we're talking about this, right? (laughs) And maybe you already feel like this too, I feel like we're drowning in this message, and it's so important to me that we talk about this because the residual effects are way more than skin deep. I found this awesome article from the YWCA, which is a social justice organization serving women, called The Consequence of America's Beauty Obsession on Women and Girls. I mean, I know from my own lived experience that this fixation on the way that we look can be pretty damaging, but this article honestly went into issues that I didn't even know were touched by this obsession. So in the addition to the increase in spending on cosmetics and cosmetic surgery and the participation in the ever-dangerous diet culture, our obsession with beauty even impacts your job. The YWCA article talks about something called lookism, which is, quote, the prejudice based on physical appearance and attractiveness, end quote. And they discover that employees who aren't considered attractive are 9% less than everyone else. And there's been more talk about how we internalize these super unrealistic images from media, but what about the messaging that not only says that women should be beautiful, 
but that they should also be sexy. And just to clear this up, I don't mean sexy for self-empowerment, which is great, and for self-fulfillment, but sexy in terms of being the object of heteromale desire, right? Did you know that research is showing that sexualization is linked with issues like eating disorders, low self-esteem, and depression? And I mean, just the idea of being sexy for men gets into misogynistic territory. And sadly, this sets the tone for how boys learn to treat women and girls. The article also says that, quote, objectification of women plays into a general culture of tolerance of unhealthy sexual behavior for young girls. One survey found a surprising level of acceptance for forced or coerced sex, end quote. I mean, and that gets into the whole conversation of something we touched on in last week's episode with Dr. Bobby Wegner about boys being confused about the basics of sexual assault and consent, right? And again, when you look at all of this messaging and the way that everything is linked and layered on top of each other, that absolutely makes sense, right? The message of beauty at any and all costs is about so much more than lipstick and mascara, right? It has become an obsession that has major consequences. So the last thing I'll mention about this article is the damaging effects this has on relationships. I mean, think about it. When we tell people, mostly women, right, that we are only as valuable as the way we look, then people are going to fight for that. It's human nature to want to be part of the group and want to be accepted, and we can't override that desire. So what's our other option? We need to win, and that creates competition. This article mentions that 80% of women in this research study said that they were in competition with other women over the way they looked. And we've all experienced that to some degree, right? Whether it was in childhood or high school or, I mean, even now. I've definitely been in some rooms where the competition to be the prettiest in the room was palpable, right? And when we're stripped of our value everywhere else, beauty becomes our currency, So why wouldn't we want to hold on to the minuscule amount of power that we have, right? Why wouldn't we want to be on top? So we've just, we've got to stop buying into this narrative for ourselves, for our sisters, for our friends, for our kids. There needs to be a shift in the way that we are thinking about this. So last little bit before we wrap up, but I want to talk about how this is impacting our kids. That, for me, was a big reason of starting this podcast because I really, really want my kids to grow up in a better world. Back to the messaging we get from mainstream media and how it peddles this ridiculous message that beauty is the most important achievement for girls and women. You know, media shapes and informs the way we see beauty, the way we feel about beauty, and then it reinforces those ideas by showing us images that confirm that, right? And if we're impacted by this, So are our kids. So I distinctly remember a few years ago, actually around the time when I was thinking about starting a podcast, my kids were super into this movie called The Descendants. So if you don't know what that is, it's it's a trilogy about the kids of Disney villains. So for instance, Maleficent's daughter and Cruella's son. And it's kind of about, you know, people being allowed to change, you know, um having the choice between good and bad. And I mean, there's, 
you can pick out some like, you know, decent like lessons in there or whatever. And it's pretty cute. It's kind of in a musical format. So there's lots of choreography and singing, which is what the kids were attracted to. But anyway, the kids were super into it, which of course means that I saw it a lot. And I started getting so pissed because the female leads and nothing against them, they were thin. They got thinner with each new movie. And they were heavily made up or looked like they had had cosmetic surgery. And so, of course, I did some Googling on these actresses. And, yeah, it's pretty obvious that some work was done. And I know this is a really sensitive topic. There are a lot of people that like to get procedures done and things like that. And I'm certainly not here to tell people what to do with their bodies. But I will say that I think we need to have more parameters when it comes to our kids and what they're seeing. And just for some backstory, my husband and I are pretty open with our kids <laughs> in terms of parenting. And I mean, personally, I think them hearing swear words, which they do all the time, is way less harmful than them looking at images of their idols who have had work done. You know, there's a difference between an adult seeing those images, which again, I still honestly think is harmful. But when you're talking about young, impressionable kids who don't know any better, who don't know anything about procedures and makeup and lighting and posing and all of those things, all our kids are doing is just internalizing these implicit messages that, one, for women, being beautiful is the most important goal that you can achieve. And then, two, in order to be beautiful, you need to be thin, you need to have big eyes, a tiny button nose, crazy full lips, and the list goes on and on and on, right? So because our kids and honestly our teens aren't really old enough to like process that because their brains haven't fully matured, I think that if you're going to play a kid, right, someone under 18, in a show whose audience is for kids, The Descendants was not an adult movie, right? This The Descendants was, I think, rated like PG or something like that. But then I think that you shouldn't be cast if you've had cosmetic surgery And I don't think that the makeup should be allowed to be so heavily contoured that it achieves the same aesthetic as cosmetic surgery. And I know this is not going to be a popular opinion with everyone, but again, the influence on these impressionable minds is just, it's too much. And we're seeing the effects of that. So let's just save the cosmetic procedures and the heavy makeup for adult shows, you know? And I know I said this on a previous episode, but again, the constant exposure to filtered and edited images on social media is a huge problem for everyone, but especially teens. Kids and teens are undeniably being affected by this message of beauty at any and all cost. So how is that playing out, right? Well, they either go under the knife, and according to the American Society of Plastic and Reconstructive Surgeons, in 2020, Around 230,000 cosmetic surgeries and nearly 140,000 non-invasive cosmetic procedures were performed on teens aged 13 to 19. Okay, if you're not, like, squirming in your seat about the age of 13, (laughs) my daughter is 8 years old. I can't even imagine her in, like, a couple years asking to go get, like, lip injections like Kylie Jenner or whatever else she might ask for. I mean, I just, I, that is mind-blowing to me. So that's the plastic surgery side of it, which obviously any surgery comes with risks. I mean, there are other potential consequences to that. 
In addition, they also pay with their mental well-being, right? Studies are actually showing that there's a link between body dissatisfaction and eventual depression in teens. And so by the time girls are 17, 78% are dissatisfied with the way they look. And I think we as women feel like that. I mean, statistically, our dissatisfaction with our body and the way that we look is higher than men, right? And that's not an accident. That's not a coincidence. That shouldn't even be shocking. But for teens, statistically, they have more exposure to TV and social media than we ever did. And so because of that, I mean, obviously, social media and media in general isn't going to go away. And it shouldn't, right? There's no need for that. But there needs to be more guardrails in place in terms of, like, what our kids are seeing. And, you know, until that happens, we need to be talking with our kids about this stuff. So just to go off on, like, a parenting tangent super quickly, I think it's so important for us to call out these things when we see them for our kids. So in our house, it's super normal for me to interrupt whatever the kids are watching and ask them especially my daughter because she's older, but to ask them about what they see and what they think and what they feel. For instance, we've been on a big Aladdin kick lately. So we were watching Aladdin and and during one of the scenes, I pointed out that it's pretty unrealistic for Jasmine to have such a teeny tiny waist. And then we started also talking about the fact that the only thing people notice and say about her is how beautiful she is. And then so for another example, I can't exactly remember what we were watching. It may have been Transformers. I don't know. Whatever it was, we didn't even see the whole thing. But there was a scene where the camera was behind an actress who was a young teenager, by the way. This wasn't even like a full-grown adult. And the camera slowly pans up the back of her body. I pointed out to my daughter that that happened And then also had her notice that when they would show the male actors and the male actors were shot from the back, they didn't do that. The camera was still, right? So all of these conversations, I think, just need to happen on the regular. And they don't have to be giant conversations. They can literally just be like, they can can just be a little moment of noticing and bringing it up. But if we don't do this, our kids are not going to be savvy media consumers. And I feel like then they're going to be the ones that fall prey to body dysmorphia and low self-esteem and things like that because they're not going to be able to call out reality versus fantasy, right? I mean, I know I'm not going to be able to stop my kids, nor would I, right, when they get old enough to be able to be on social media. And like I said, I mean, we, we let our kids watch a lot of things. We're pretty, like, open just about everything. I want them to be able to understand reality, And then maybe with that, they'll at least have a fighting chance when it comes to how they interpret what they're seeing and the impact that has on them. So that's where I'm at. (laughs) I just want to acknowledge that everyone's on their own journey with answering the question, what is the price we're willing to pay when we say beauty at any and all cost, right? And so for some people who like to do all the appointments and get all the things done, for them, that might be just booking a few less appointments, right? And for other people, that may look different. In no way am I saying throw out all your makeup, never style your hair, don't care about what you look like. Everyone has to figure out what that means for them individually, but I just want to challenge all of us to look at that messaging and realize that it really is 
woven into the fabric of our society. So this message may not be obvious to us, but it's in and around us all the time. And it is impacting us. Again, to different people are going to be impacted to varying degrees and different people are going to want to handle it in a way that feels best with them. So the conversation is important, but the way that you want to move forward with it is a personal choice and not something that people should be shamed for. So I just wanted to say that as a quick little last side note. So that's it for today, friends. If you like this topic, please share with a friend on social media and don't forget to tag me. And as always, feel free to DM me. I love hearing about your own journey with these topics and your own perspective. So thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If this resonated with you, join me in the movement as we shift our mindsets together. You can find more Pretty Unfiltered on social at the Pretty Unfiltered Podcast. I can't wait for our next chat, and I'll see you next time.